Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. So, Sixth Commandment. Today we're going to talk about Sixth Commandment. It's, we've been going through it and it's just been such a um, challenging time with these commandments. We, we honestly did not realize how hard... Uh, the teaching on commandments going to be just because it was it was such a you hear ten commandments people who've never been to church knows know ten commandments it's just something that people know and especially the later part of the commandments is people just morally do the things that that talk, we talk about so um, but as we look into the word and what it has what it has to say about these commandments from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We don't want to put God in a box that this is the Old Testament Ten Commandments and and that's it. No, the, these commandments are talking to us from the beginning to the end. Uh, it was talking to people of Israel and uh, through the whole Bible, through all these thousands of years uh, of this established law. So today we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. Um, very short and simple. You shall not murder. When you look at the Hebrew words, there's only two words. Not murder. Period. Uh, when you look at the actual word of for murder, it's the, the meaning behind it. It's murder, kill, or slay. So... Um, that's why sometimes different interpretations have different say. Some say kill, some t- say murder. I haven't seen anybody say slay, uh, but slay be, be, gets used in different verses with the same word. So this is where we're looking at. Um, I think what, when Trish and I were preparing for this is, again, just like last week when we talked about why is God telling them this commandment now, at this point of, of their of their journey in Exodus, they're at Mount Sinai. Why is he telling them, thou shalt not kill now? What, what is he preparing them for, right? Because we talked about the first commandment. He was like, hey, he was just reminding us, like, I was the one who took you out of the Egypt. I'm your God, period. He also said, hey, don't have any idols because where you came from, there was a lot of idols. I don't want you to have idols. I'm not, you can't put me in a box. I'm, I'm that good. And then we just keep on going, and he's teaching them right now how to be a better nation, right? We talked, he talked about bear my name correctly, because you're going to be telling all everybody around, around you who God is, who he reflects. And last week, uh, we talked about um, why he wanted the honor of mother father, so that way those parents would teach their children about what happened, right? So now, don't murder. He kind of comes off... <laughs> On the, on the next commandment, do not murder. So for us, it's kind of be like, duh, of course. Don't murder, don't kill. That makes sense. But if you look at what's hap- going to happen next, he's preparing for what is to come. Because we know what is to come. Because if you look at Exodus 21 after this, all the laws come in, extra laws coming in of judgment, uh, God's laws, God's judgment, and God's plan. And it all involves killing. <laughs> there's a lot of killing happening after this. There's all these laws coming in of, and there's many, I'm not going to go into, but 
If somebody uh, curses God's name, they should be put to death. If somebody has sex with an animal, they should be put to death. If somebody, there's all these things, and all of a sudden, he says, do not kill, but then here's all these laws about killing. And then he says, hey, you guys going to take over the land of Canaanite, and by the way, slaughter them all. From old to young to animals, kill them all. And you're like, all right, this is confusing. He just said, do not murder, and now we're going on a murder spree. <laughs> It's it's very at that point it's it's very contradicting. But why is he preparing us? Because what he's showing them at this point is that for him, murder is serious. He doesn't want us to murder, but they are there are cases that it needs to happen. And what he wants to do is say, no, you shouldn't do this. But there's some points that it will have have to happen. Points that need to happen, but I don't want you to just flippantly do it. We don't want you to just kill anybody. There's only a certain times that you can, right? Right. So what we're explaining is is that it looks like there's all these instances, uh, but what really happened is is in the land that they were going to, in the land of the Canaanites and all of these, one of the things the Lord says is, I I want you to drive them out because the land is full of violence. Mm -hmm. So these other nations... Had, they would kill without reason. They would kill without cause. They were sacrificing their children to the pagan gods. They were um, just annihilating one another. They were invading other nations without pity, without mercy. Uh, and God gives these laws, and he, he starts off with the standard, which is thou shalt not kill. And then he explains what looks like all these reasons. It's kind of overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's so many reasons to put someone to death. But he actually, the fact that he can list and he gives them boundaries and he says, under this circumstance, the person should be put to death. Under this circumstance, the person should be put to death. He's actually listing what the exceptions are, which in that range is actually very narrow compared to what these other nations and the violence that they would have been causing. Um, For example, one of the is he... He directly forbids sacrificing your children, mm-hmm. which was a normal common practice. Mm-hmm. And he says, if someone sacrifices their child, they should be put to death. Mm-hmm. And so his way, he says, uh, he says right after the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, uh, verse 20, 20, it says, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. So he makes these exceptions in order to create a society that has order, to, in order to create a, uh, to have the, the state was given an authority to um, administer justice, to keep order, and to create moral boundaries for the society. And so there were certain things that were so unjust or something that was so, uh, so violent um, or defiled God's natural order that he, the consequence for that was death. And again, these are exceptions compared to all the things that people could have done if they took justice into their own hands. He says these certain things, the consequence must be death. Because if there wasn't consequences, we know that society would descend into anarchy. Mm-hmm. If there's no capital punishment, if there's no repercussions, you know, they didn't have prisons, they didn't have all the systems that we have here in the United States, there had to be a way to keep order. There had to be a way to establish boundaries in society of how people interacted with each other. And something like stealing, for example, um, you were not, you didn't get your hand chopped off like in other nations. You didn't, 
But if you stole, what you were expected to do was to pay back double. Mm -hmm. So the consequences are most of the time, they're very logical consequences. If your animal gored another person, the consequence was that animal needed to be put down, needed to die. So again, these are boundaries, not that God is this horribly wrathful God, but he creates boundaries in society in order for them to establish themselves in the land. Um, and he knew that because our hearts are hardened, which Jesus actually says, that he that Moses made concessions because God knew that our hearts were hardened. That's what Jesus says. I believe it's Matthew chapter 5. And he explains that he God already knew that we were we were violent and that our hearts were evil. So he makes these boundaries so that he says, if this happens, these people must be cut off. This must be, in order to keep order, you have to have this boundary. Because otherwise, someone who kills does not honor the image of God and will continue to kill mm-hmm. and may kill others because they have no regard for human life. Does that make sense? Yeah, and then you look at it, it's, it's the authority. It's these, the killings happen because of the authority, the authority that was given by God um, with those commandments and also authority that was given by judges, by, by what they seek the wisdom from God like Moses did. And afterwards, he had the little court of people who advisors to help out to keep that judgment going. So it wasn't just uh, people just flippantly doing it. There was actually some kind of authority uh, Paul talks about that in, in Romans chapter 13. It says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. That's an important part, especially nowadays. It's, it's kind of hard to listen to because some of us would don't want we don't look at the government and it's really hard to fall under them or our leadership or our bosses. But hmm. uh, we got to look at it. It says that, uh, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And remember, he's talking to, to Jewish people who are under Romans' government, who are being um, kind of enslaved, to be honest, at that point, too. I mean, there, were, there was more were freedom. Oppressed. Yeah, they were oppressed. That would be a better word. Thank you. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong, do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will command you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant and an agent of wrath wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. So we see here in scripture that it is, there's an, a distinguished, uh, a delineation between an individual taking justice into their own hands and the authority that's been given to the governing bodies to execute judgment. So the state has an authority. And even in these instances through, through the Old Testament and Exodus, when it says, like here, if someone kidnaps another person and sells them, he must be caught and put to death. And when they're being put to death, it's not that just anyone can kill them. It was the community came together under the leadership, and they, they had to execute judgment. And so, again, just reiterating that there, there was, this was a way to organize society and a way to bring order, a way to bring, execute justice. So it says here in Exodus 21, uh, verse 12, through 14 it says anyone who strikes a man and kills him shall surely be put to death however if he does not do it intentionally but god lets it happen he is to flee to a place i will designate but if a man schemes and kills another man deliberately take him away from my altar and put him to death 
And so while the, the commandment just simply says thou shalt not murder or thou shalt not kill, the word there is one and the same. People like to distinguish and say, well, murder is different from killing. Hmm. Both of them are seen as evil in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. Both of them were deserving of judgment. But the consequences were somewhat different. Someone who intentionally murdered was immediately the consequence was death. But if you did it accidentally, there were cities that were called cities of refuge where you could flee and you could run. But in some ways it actually acted like a prison because even if you killed unintentionally, you could flee to that city of refuge, but you could not leave the boundaries of the city. If you were found outside of the city, the nearest relative who's called the avenger of blood. So again, not anyone in society, but there were certain designated people who not only had the ability, but had the responsibility to execute judgment. So the the avenger of blood was the nearest of kin to the person who was killed. So it may have been a father, it may have been a brother, but it was whoever was nearest of kin was allowed. If they found you outside of the city, even if the death was accidental, they could kill you as a, what's the word I'm looking for? As a consequence for what you had done. So you were allowed to run to a city of refuge, but you had to stay in that city. You weren't allowed to leave that city. So God takes killing so seriously. We can't say that, oh, well, God, God knows your heart. And so if you murder intentionally, that's wrong. But if you, if you kill and it was just, you know, God sees it all, all killing is wrong because we're made in the image of God. So were you going to go? So I just wanted to go there in Genesis chapter 1, 26, 28. That's where this, this is coming from. Uh, the, the, this teaching about why he doesn't want to murder is because how we were created. In Genesis chapter 1, 1 verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make men in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, over the earth, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, the image of God. He created the male and female. He created them. So when we look at look at men and we're talking about killing somebody, we're killing somebody who was made in the image of God. And that is a very important part of it. First of all, um, before we even get into that, it's really important in 26, it talks about that there, that he was going to be put rule over the fishes and animals and everything. So kind of just a quick reminder that humans are more important than animals and birds and fishes and everything like that. And puppies and kittens and <laughs> and all that stuff because... Because we sometimes, in our culture, we see people putting animals or earth or whatever else. They, they're all for save the planet, but the human lives are not as important to them. Yeah, there's so, a disregard for human life. Yeah, so we need, we need to kind of pause on that one. Just kind of wanted to throw that out there. That to God, human life is the most important thing over anything else. Over animals, over the planet, over the earth, over the rainforest, and all that stuff. So, just kind of pointing out there. But going back to the image of God, it's go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so that that is a really important one because what happens is why killings can happen so easily right now is because people stop identifying other people in the image of God. They take away the humanity mm-hmm. of it. 
And this has been seen time and time again throughout history. The Holocaust, you know, there was propaganda that was put out that Jewish people were rats and dogs and they dehumanized. And, and this happens in any incidence of genocide. Um, you've got gangs against other gangs. And the way that people justify killing is they diminish the image of God in another person and they talk about them as though they're less than human. Even in slavery, there was no regard because because those who were enslaved here in the United States were considered, African-Americans were considered three-fifths of a person. So even legally, they weren't considered fully human. And that allowed people to beat on slaves and kill them without repercussion because they were just seen as property. And whenever we see throughout history that someone takes away the image of God and diminishes the value of human life, what follows is the, the justification of their extermination and of their killing. And we see that now. We're not even going to be shy about it. But we see that happening with abortion. We're told time and time again that it's just a procedure, that it's a clump of cells, that it's not really human. But just because the child is dependent on the mother's life does not make it any less human, does not make he or she any less human. They're fully made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. They have all the DNA of a human being, and they're, they're not something else. Um, and if you use that argument that, well, they're fully dependent on the mother and the mother should have autonomy and rights over that, then you could say the same thing about the elderly. You could say the same thing about people who are disabled because mm-hmm. they require someone else mm-hmm. to help them and aid them mm-hmm. because they're not able to live apart from that support. Exactly. So we get into a really dangerous place in society if we start giving value on what someone is able to do mm-hmm. and their ability mm-hmm. and what they're able to offer. Mm-hmm. And so we see, and God will hold us accountable as mm-hmm. a nation for the fact that we are committing massive homicide mm-hmm. against entire generations now at this point um, through the and, and again we, we already said about how God viewed not only was murder evil but the sacrificing of your children was like the ultimate in evil mm-hmm. so we see here in but just kind of going with uh, God's value of, of life uh, when we see God renews this this commandment at, even after the fall so that was God we were made in the image of God before the fall but after the fall, after the ark with Noah and the, the flood, God reaffirms uh, his blessing. And he says, very similar to what he said in Genesis, he's, he blessed Noah and his sons. And he said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And this is when our relationship with the rest of creation began to change. It says, the fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and the birds of the air and every creature that moves along the ground. Upon the fish of the sea, they are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I had given you the green plants, I now give you everything. But he gives this boundary. He says, you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal. So this is something that's interesting. We know that humans will stand judgment, but God actually says in this verse, I will demand an accounting from every animal. So even animals that take the life of another animal, God will hold. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means, but there's God is so serious about taking the life of his creation that he will he will demand an account and then he goes on to say and from each man too i will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man whoever sheds the blood of man by by man shall his blood be shed for in the image of god has god made man so when we kill someone else another human being it's it's as though we're attacking god himself because we're made in the image of god 
So God takes it as a personal affront because he created us to be his children and he is a loving father. So when we attack, we're attacking an extension of God's own family. And he takes that very seriously because it's not only an affront to that person, it's an affront to God himself. Yeah, just kind of just pushing further in Leviticus chapter 24. It just keeps on talking about this. Leviticus 24, 17. If anyone takes the life of a human being, he must be put to death. Anyone who takes the life of someone's, someone's animal must, be rest, there must make restitution life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor, whatever he has done must be done to him. Fracture, fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he has injured the other, so he is to be injured. Whoever kills an animal must, be, must make restitution, but whoever kills a man must be put to death. You are to have the same law for the alien and the native born. I am the Lord your God. So the, this whole thing of how seriously God looks at killing and death, is you see this over and over again, that it's not just a one-time thing in Exodus. It happens over and over again because he sees how important it is because he wanted to create this boundaries, create this order that... Killing is not a just fl- a kind of a flippantly thing to do because you just don't like your neighbor because you don't like <laughs> don't like something or whatever else. Because you want their property yeah. or whatever. The power is in God and God alone and you do not do things selfishly out of your uh, will or your wants. So we're going to be really transparent because we, we really wrestled this week uh, with the word literally. of God. <laughs> not literally, but emotionally we wrestled with this uh, because we wanted to bring a perspective that was truly biblical but my husband and I this is where we start to deviate we're very different people literally he's a morning person I'm a night person like if you go through a list of things most of the time the one thing that brought us together the one thing that we agree upon is the word of God we both love the Lord very much but after that we are very different people and so we we got to this verse in Exodus 22, and we had to wrestle all week because we have very different perspectives when about what scripture says about your ability to defend yourself and the right to use violence in situations where your own life or the life of your loved ones is threatened. So this is verse uh, 2. Exodus, Exodus 22, 22, verse 2. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of our starting verse where we're like, okay, this is where scripture kind of leaves a an opening and where you and I part ways. So we're both going to share a little bit of our perspective today. And I think when we're done during our discussion time, this will be kind of where we might land and everyone might be able to kind of speak to what is your conviction. Uh, Cause we might all land in a little bit different place. What I want to stress is the fact that wrestling with this issue, because it's so important uh, to God it to just say, well, I don't know how I feel or it's not that big of a deal is we can't get off the hook like that. This is an issue that we really need to wrestle through and figure out what the Holy Spirit is bringing to you as your conviction. So I'm going to read Exodus 22 too. And it says, If a thief is caught breaking in and is struck so that he dies, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. But if it happens after sunrise, he is guilty of bloodshed. It's not funny. Murder is not funny. Why are you laughing? But because we just we just wrestled. I mean, my mom actually heard us. Like every time we tried to work through the sermon, it turned into a fight. Like we 
Respectful. Respectful. We, we struggled. So we wanted to bring to you our perspective. That they were going to kill each other. <laughs> we, we both respectfully, we, like, we were dividing the word of truth and we were reading scripture, but we just read it very differently. Did you no. want to go first or you want me? Passionate communication. Passionate communication, yes. So we tried really hard to hear each other's perspective and there were some ways that I was like, okay, so we, we can see each other's perspective, we can honor each other's perspective, but there was no convincing each other of the opposite point of view. Yeah. So we're just going to share it raw yeah, with you all. So wait. you're going to go first, right? I, yes, I, you can go first. Am I going first? The, the, the ladies first. No, the go for it. No, I'm going to. She, she wants to have the power to rebuttal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's yes, like, well, everything that he said is wrong. <laughs> Let me tell you why he's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I can't get away with anything after 25 years. So, <laughs> so verse 2, this is where it's at. Because we were so separated on, the, on this topic. We, again, what we presented before this, we totally agree with. We totally believe, we totally believe that life is precious. We totally believe that there's a law that prohibits... Um, from killing, we believe that murder is wrong. We we all agree on everything that we said. We talked about that there's authority that God has given to the government and to His people and everything else. We to, also acknowledge that there's times when even the state and the government we know that that can be corrupt. Yeah. People in authority who God says they don't wield the seal, the shield, the sword for nothing. But sometimes they, you know, innocent lives are taken, and the the state is not always just in administering uh, consequences. Yeah. So. so, so before we start, I just want to make sure that we both understand that human life is precious. We we in in this kind of conversation, we we wanted to come. So that's why this verse was God sent to both of us because this is a place where we can both talk about this honestly because. It, talk, it talks about that if a thief is caught breaking in and is struck so that he dies, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. What is it saying? That if, if somebody comes in, because it talks about this and then after sunrise, so that means this is happening at night. There's some, there's some translations that even put that if it happens at night and it happens at day here, it's, it's, mo- it's pretty much, it's given if they separated that if it happens. Uh, so anyways... So what does that mean that it happens at night? That means most likely you're at home. Most likely your family's at home. Most likely they're breaking in knowing that your family is at home. And most, most likely you're sleeping and not ready to defend yourself. So they're coming in there. Again, this is assumption. They're coming in there not only to take some stuff away from you. Because they know your kids and your, and your family is there. So for me, they're coming in with a murderer's ideas and thought intent thank you very much so in that sense if they're coming in with that kind of intention you kill them however you do it they don't talk about it maybe they have an ar-15 maybe they don't i don't know what's happening in there um that you're not guilty of breaking the, the law of murder and you don't have to go to the city of refuge, of refuge and whoever I mean, so people can still come after you. The Avenger might come, still come after you, but he doesn't have the legal right to do so. Um, so that's how I look at it. 
in that sense. So to me, I, to me, as I look at this verse, that gives me opportunity to defend myself, just like what the government has given to me, that I have the right to protect myself and my loved ones from anybody trying to use deadly force by using my own deadly force, okay, to stop them. That's where, where it is. And one of the things that we were talking about, looking at Romans chapter 13, that the government was put up over us and they have authority and they carry a sword with them to make sure that punishment is done to those who. So I was telling her the same thing. I went to the government. I applied for concealed carry. I applied to be able to uh, bear arms. And they gave me the authority to carry the, uh, the, that around when I need it for protection of myself and the loved ones. I was trained by it. I, was, I had a background check of it and everything else. I know the law to a point where if somebody breaks into my house, and this is something important to state at this point, if somebody breaks into my house and I hear whatever at night and I come out of my room in my undies and in my gun <laughs> and I see them I'm like, hey, graphic. sorry. <laughs> I'm like, hey, who goes there? Yeah, onesie, onesie in my onesie. And I, and I come out, hey, who goes there? And they're like, oh, man, I'm sorry. And they turn around and walk out that door. I have no right legally or morally to engage them. Because whatever they took is not more important than their life. If somebody comes and grabs and carjacks me, and it's like, hey, I want your car, and all they want is my car, I don't have the right, as they drive away, pull out my gun and start shooting at them. Because my car is not more valuable than their life. That's the conviction that I have. But if they coming up to me, my family with me, and they pull out the gun, and they started threatening, and all of a sudden, like, we're taking your family and taking your car, now there's going to be a different kind of problem because now, now they're coming after my family. They're going to take it away, and I don't know what's going to happen. Now I have the right, with the right that government has given me, to use my gun to stop this person from hurting my family. This is, that's where my conviction is. So that, that's where kind of, kind of we've broken up because in Trish, and she's going to, uh, going to continue... On her side, she said, it is what it is. If wow. I die, I die. If I die, I die. That felt like a personal attack. Said, it is what it is. It is what it is. No, but, but listen. About that time. Well, wow. you know. She's like, I know where to I live said. is Christ, to die is gain. There you go. That's a little So, so for her, it's like, if, if they come to kill me, I'm going to die. If they come to kill you. You're gonna You're die. You're getting into my perspective I'm now. Just, I'm just, I'm just saying. We also so have the, a hankering for the, heaven. So. The, yeah, we all want <laughs> to go to heaven. Now. So, so that's the that's the separation. So that's the separation again. Again, I know what's gonna the consequences. Even if I'm legally justified to kill somebody, I'm still gonna get arrested. Hmm. I'm still gonna be judged to see if this was. Um, Malicious. Yeah, if it's self-defense or there's there's all these things. I know that I might lose my job, especially as a as a teacher. They're probably not going to look down oh, very kindly on me on that mm-hmm. one. I know 
that there's things that could stop me because of that action. But so I have to make that decision. Is my family more important, their lives more important than what can the consequences? And that is the conviction that I have to choose and I have chosen. Okay, so, so, that's, so I understand that. And I know psychologically and mentally, I'm sure it's going to mess me up if I take somebody's life. I know that 100%. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, killed another dude. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a kind of thing. I definitely do not take it lightly. I remember being trained and talking to my guy and, he, and uh, my, my instructor. He's like, hey, light them up. They come into your house, two to the chest, one to the head. Light them up. And I remember sitting there. I was like, I might have to kill somebody. And it terrified me, like terrified me that I would have to do that. But also the conviction of I'll light them up before they touch my family. Hmm. I'm okay with that. I will defend. Ma'am? Okay. <laughs> case. You made your case. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Are you to live as Christ, it? to die as King. <laughs> What did you say? It is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, no. So when I, when the way I read the, the scriptures is in Matthew chapter five, Jesus. Wait, and, that's our next point. You can't no, go it's there. Not. No, it's, no, it's not. Right, it's right here. It's our no, next that's, point. I, that's a different verse. Oh, okay. I'm using a different verse. <laughs> it says, oh, I told you it's been a really heated week, y'all. Yeah. We're both very passionate about this, as you can tell. Uh, So it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. But if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And he goes on to say, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And he goes on to say uh, in verse 48, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And in Matthew chapter uh, 26, we see that Jesus is being arrested. And this is the scene where Peter takes out his sword, right? And he attacks the, one of the guards. And Jesus tells him in verse, this is Matthew 26, verse 52, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think that I cannot call my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say that it must happen in this way? Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? So he, we see this example that when Peter tries to act in violence, he doesn't even try to kill them. He's not... He's not taking them all on. He just cuts off the guy's ear. I think he missed. And, yeah. and <laughs> possible. But Jesus, Jesus tells him to put the sword away. And he, he basically is calling him the way that not only me, but literally in the first three centuries of the church, all of the surviving writings universally, unilaterally preached a gospel of nonviolence. And they would, if someone attacked them, they refused to, to fight back. And this is why so many Christians were martyred and persecuted. People thought they were ridiculous and stupid and foolish. The church 
told the believers they were not allowed to participate in the military. There were certain political positions they could not have because if they were in those roles, it might cause them, they might have to execute judgment that someone would need to be put through the death penalty. So the first 300 plus years of the church, this was the universal message was one of non-resistance and non-violence. And there are still denominations and still churches today, I'm not alone in this view, that, that teach you know, conscientious objectors that they will not participate in the military because of their religious views and their faith conviction. And so that's how I read scripture is one of being a pacifist, one of non-violence, one of the fact that I'm going to trust God to protect me, to provide for me. And if I go, then it's my time to go. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but to live is Christ and to die is gain. That really is, I know we're joking about it, but that's, that's how I see it. And again, there's, there's a testimony of Christians that have gone, and this is really revolutionary. Most modern Christians, they would not stand in this perspective. It's a hard position to take. It's one that's very controversial. We even applaud Christians who do go into the military and go into these certain roles, but it's something that if I was in that position, I would have to conscientiously object because I cannot be someone who executes violence. For me, it goes against the way I read scripture. It goes against what Jesus taught. He specifically says, you've heard it said that you can take vengeance, but then he, scripture goes on to say, vengeance belongs to the Lord. So I know there's certain circumstances under which there's exceptions to this, and I acknowledge that, but for us as Christians, so again, we already said the state has power to, to keep order, to administer justice, and to maintain moral boundaries in society. So there are people who are put under the death penalty, people within the state who do that. And again, we don't necessarily interfere. I'm not going to impose my morality on a secular government. The secular government is going to do what they do. But I, as a Christian, do not want to participate in that because I have a conviction that goes completely against that. To me, the way I read scripture is that Life, we're made in the image of God. Life is life, and we're not. We're going to be held accountable for whatever we do. That's my that's my soapbox. I'm done. Are we ready for the next part? So we come back together on the next part. So we're going to finish with with agreeing. Yeah, and we're going to spare you the back and forth that yeah. we've been doing all week, and we can talk about we it were in the all discussion in for this discussion between. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> we'll have the discussion after, but we want to fi- want to finish. With this final point. Yeah. So we're, we're in Matthew. We're still in Matthew. You're in Matthew, aren't you? Chapter 5, 11 yeah. through 22. Yeah. Do you want to read through? 11. I don't know. No, not 11. It's 21. Oh. 21 through 22. Yes. Okay. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 and 22. Mm-hmm. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder or do not kill. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And anyone who says to his brother, Raka, which is basically like idiot or fool, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. So we see time and time again that Jesus does not abolish the law that's in the Old Testament. But he always consistently challenges our heart he says it's not about the actions that you're taking it the actions matter because he says if you love me you'll obey my commands but he he always emphasizes the reason behind the law was not so much you should not only not murder but you should not hate someone in your heart you should not diminish the image of god through your words that your words have uh this was 
Proverbs. Do you have that one? Proverbs. Okay. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So we have to acknowledge that even our words have the power to diminish the image of God in someone and to cause serious harm. And so Jesus doesn't get rid of the law, do not murder, but he takes that law and he brings it to a higher expectation and a higher level. And he says, I don't want you just to commit murder. Where, where a lot of us at this table would say, well, I've never killed anyone, so I'm good. Um, but how many of us have called someone an idiot or worse? Uh, we've, or have harbored unforgiveness and anger and hatred in our hearts. Just about all of us would say that we've been there maybe mo- many times in our life. Maybe we're carrying some of that right now, and we need to bring this before the Lord and ask him for forgiveness. Yeah, uh, John talks about this in First uh, John chapter 3, verse 15. It says, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, hmm. and you know that no murderer has eternal life. So it's, it's this push in the New Testament that... The, uh, what's happening with your heart like the murder yes murder is bad but like what's happening with your heart if we're if you should be filled with the holy spirit of love joy peace kindness goodness gentleness self-control all these things where's the hate and all that if the holy spirit is in you and um james talks a lot about the power of the words and what the words do uh in james chapter 3 verse 6 it says the tongue also is a fire or a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. So like this this power in the tongue, the things that we say because out of, out of the, uh, what is it, out of the heart, out of the... Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's yeah, it's Proverbs like, 4.23. Yeah, it's like what's going on in your heart that you would say these hurtful things, these hateful things... Uh, to somebody there's more to it forget killing somebody just what's going in your heart is is even worse in the verse 9 it says with the tongue we praise our lord and father and with um and with it we curse men who have been made in god's likeness out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers this should not be so it's this this whole thing is he's calling out the christians that you're over there singing hallelujah and praise be to God and all that stuff. And then you're also cursing hmm. men out of the same tongue, with the same tongue, out of the same spirit. Like what's going on in your heart that there's two things coming out of it? Mm-hmm. Again, go into that proverb. It shouldn't be mixing. So there's something, something's going on. So it's, the, it's this, the, but at the end of the day, it's, it's what spirit is in you, what, what's going on in your heart. And we go back, this, we go back to Genesis chapter 2, the first murder, right? Genesis 4. I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 4. Can you read that? So God says in verse 6 to Cain, he says, Why are you angry? Why is your face so downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you, but you must master it. And shortly after that, it says that, that Cain called his brother out into a field, and he committed the first murder. So the first sin was eating of the fruit that was forbidden. The next sin that we see in Scripture is already... Is a, is a murder, is a killing. And the same way that God tells us now as Christians, not only should you not murder, but you should not hate someone in your heart. That hating someone in your heart is the equivalent of being a murderer in God's eyes. That his standard is that holy and is that high. And he confronts Cain before Cain ever mm-hmm. actually commits exactly. murder. He calls him out on the condition of his heart. Because, which James also says this, that 
sing, that sin springs forth from when we're desires. dragged away by our evil desires. Mm-hmm. So long before we sin, it starts with the condition of our heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I appreciate that God confronts him before it happens. Mm-hmm. He knows what's going on in his heart. And the same thing with, with us who have the Holy Spirit. God convicts us before it happens. And that's why we wanted to challenge you guys as you hear this, this teaching is what God is telling you now about um, self-defense, about carrying a gun, about a- any of those things. And the, that's one part. The other part is the actual, what words come out of your mouth. But it's got to be guided by, by, the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. That's why we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Is before we say raha, raka, we, there should be, the Spirit needs to be filtered there. There's got to be something. There's got to be a conviction before you say that. And I know a lot of a lot of us have said something like, "Oh, I shouldn't have said that," right? And there's the Holy Spirit convicting us. And he's like, Peter, <laughs> "I told you this before you opened your mouth. You just weren't listening. Now you're gonna feel a little bit more. But now there's also consequences, percussions of of broken relationships, of um, of just being a, a, not a good witness as a Christian." There's all these things that come out because we don't let the Spirit check us. We don't let um, clear our hearts and, and focusing on God instead of focusing on the world. Yep. One final note, as we reflected on this sermon, in our passion and our zeal, we don't want to uh, underestimate the grace of God in our striving to explain the image of God and the importance of honoring that image of God in others. We don't want to uh, overstep the grace of God that we see throughout scripture. And we'll let the word have the final, we'll let God have the final word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 8 through 11, it says, uh, sorry, verse 9 through 11, it says, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And then there's a list of these different sins. They will not inherit the kingdom of God in verse 10. But in verse 11, it says, Yet that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. There is nothing that you could ever do that would be outside of God's reach, outside of his forgiveness. And so while we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, ultimately we are saved by grace and we have salvation through Christ Jesus that covers and washes over all of our sin. So we just reach out to you. And if you have any questions about today's sermon or if you want some prayer, please feel free to reach out to us. We always keep the line open. Thank you and be blessed. Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.